This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's go together to the gospel according to Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. And we come uh, this morning in our study to verse number 23. Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 23. And we'll read into chapter 3. Uh, through verse number 6. Mark chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 23. And the Bible said, And it came to pass that he, that is Jesus, went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, or to them rather, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which hath the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. I want, I want you to note, if you would please, the statement that the Lord Jesus Christ makes in verse number eight, uh, 28 of chapter number 2, and he said, Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also, of the Sabbath. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath. Now, Mark has introduced us uh, to Jesus of Nazareth. He's introduced his readers. Remember, he was writing to primarily a Roman audience. And he has introduced his readers to Jesus of Nazareth. He is the king, he is the Messiah, he is the son of God. And unlike any other king that would have been known in those days, this king is different in the fact that he is not 
come but for to seek and to save that which was lost. He has come to serve humanity. And we see that Mark portrays the Lord Jesus Christ as the servant. And uh, we find here that this king is unlike any other king. Now, as he is going about preaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom, he, uh, he is uh, faced with intense opposition. We understand that behind all of that opposition was the devil himself. Uh, from his birth and the attempts to have him killed as a child, that Satan inspired Herod to have all the babies two years of age and under killed. Uh, and throughout all the days of his life, Satan uh, will uh, attack and, and oppose the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is opposing him here in this passage uh, with one of his most effective tools, and that is religion, false religion. And these Pharisees uh, are no, no doubt, they are the teachers of a false religion. And they are among the most effective tools that Satan will use to oppose the ministry of Jesus. Uh, we need to understand that the religious system that the Pharisees taught is not what most people today might think of as the Old Testament system. Uh, because the Bible teaches us in the Old Testament that uh, we are saved by faith in the Lord. The Bible said that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham was not made just or righteous in the sight of God based on his own works, or his merit. It wasn't dependent upon how good of a fellow Abraham was. We understand that Abraham, as did Noah in the book of Genesis, he found grace in the sight of the Lord. And we understand that salvation comes to all of us by grace, through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no way in which any person can be good enough or righteous enough to get to heaven. There is no way that you and I uh, could ever obtain the favor of God based on the merit of our deeds or the nature of who we are. Because the Bible teaches that we are all sinners. Some of us sin perhaps to... Uh, more degrees than others, but that does not change the fact that inherently we are sinners. And the Pharisees had gone about to establish a false religion. Yes, they claimed to be teachers of, of the law, but I want you to understand they were not faithful teachers of the Old Testament. Uh, they added to, often, many ways, they added to what God said. And they elevated the traditions of men and of their fathers above the law of God. And in cases where it was convenient for them to do so, they, they decided not only to add to what the Bible said, but they decided to take from what the Bible says. And so they are purveyors of a religious system that is a false system. And the Lord Jesus Christ came... As the Son of God, he was 
and is today the embodiment of truth. John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we understand that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the truth. And the truth is walking among them, as we find here on the Sabbath day, and the truth is confronting the error of the Pharisees. And Jesus did not shy away from the inevitable controversies which came as a result of his teaching. Instead, what he did boldly is confront them in their error in order to deliver the people from the oppression that the Pharisees had put them under. You see, they were lost. And as we noted in our Sunday school material this morning, we understand that it is Satan who blinds the minds of those who are in darkness, lest they should uh, see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And Satan used this religious system of the Pharisees to keep the people in darkness and in oppression. And by the way, there are many systems of religion in our world today that are beyond the Bible, outside of the realm of Scripture. And those systems keep people in blindness and in darkness and in bondage. On October 31st, the 501st anniversary of the Reformation was celebrated. When Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses on the church there in Germany, he nailed that document on the church doors of the Roman Catholic Church that taught a false system of religion that went beyond the Bible and and kept people in in, in darkness and and kept them in in the the, the chains of, of sin blinded from the truth of God's word to follow their religious system. And Luther boldly went to the doors of the church and nailed that document saying, this is what the Bible says and you are wrong for teaching what you're teaching. You need to teach what the Bible says. That's the spirit of Jesus Christ to confront error with truth. And by the way, lest we think as we sit here this morning that that error is only existing in the hearts and minds of those who teach false religion, I want you to know that we can too buy into erroneous thinking. In fact, I've heard some really unbiblical statements come out of the mouths of Christians. And oftentimes, rather than be willing to confront that person with that position, that opinion, that belief, that feeling that they have that is outside of biblical truth, uh, because we want to keep peace, we often just keep our mouths closed. But it is very possible for us to have the attitude of the Pharisees and not claim to be some legalistic group, but to be, be, be spoiled in our mind by the thoughts and the beliefs of the world. And instead of the thoughts and the beliefs that are conveyed to us in the Scripture, we embrace the thoughts and beliefs 
of the world. And so the Lord Jesus confronts error, and he does it very boldly by declaring that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, I want you to note three things as we look at this passage together, and I hope you'll, you'll stay with me. Notice, first of all, the accusation against the Lord of the Sabbath. The accusation against him. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 23, and it came to pass that he, that's Jesus, he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So here's the picture. The Lord Jesus, his disciples, they are all along their journey. I, I'm not sure where they're going. Perhaps they are headed to the synagogue. We do not know. But we understand that they're walking through the fields of corn. As they're walking through the fields of corn, the disciples who are hungry, we infer that from what the Lord Jesus said in, in verse number 25, uh, as he related the story of David's men who were hungered. We, we, we see that while they were hungry, they reached up into the, uh, the cornfield, the corn all around them, and they broke off some ears of corn, and they began to eat the ears of corn that were there in the field. The Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse number 25 lays out that if you are a hungry person and you're walking through your neighbor's field of corn, you can help yourself to an ear or two if that's what it takes to satisfy your immediate hunger. You are not permitted uh, to uh, harvest, you know, to take a bushel basket into the field. But if you're hungry and you're walking through the field of corn, then if you want to reach up there and have some, then go ahead and enjoy yourself and have some corn, thanks to your neighbor and thanks to the provision of God. And so we understand that what they were doing necessarily was not wrong as it was viewed by the Pharisees, but it is when they were doing it. Because as they took the corn and they plucked it off the stalk and they began to shuck it and silk it and all the good things you get to do with that corn... Uh, and, and they began to eat it, the Pharisees said, wait a minute, your disciples are working on the Sabbath day. And they accused the Lord and his disciples in verse number 24, behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is unlawful? And so we find here the accusers. I don't know what the Pharisees had to do from day to day. I don't know what they were doing on this Sabbath day, but apparently they were in close proximity or they had someone in close proximity to the Lord Jesus and his disciples. And apparently they were watching very intently to see what they were doing and they saw either themselves with their own eyes or they heard that the disciples were eating corn in the field and they're looking for something to find fault in him. Now, they had been doing that all through uh, his Galilean ministry. Had, had they not? Look in chapter 2 and verse number 5. When Jesus saw their faith, speaking of the men who brought the sick of the palsy to him, in chapter 2 and verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? So here they are. They're accusing him of blasphemy when he forgave the sins of the paralytic man. In chapter 2 and verse number 
15, we find Jesus is at the house of Levi, and there are many publicans and sinners who are gathered together. And notice the reaction in chapter 2 and verse 16 of the scribes and the Pharisees. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And so they're continuing now to find fault in him. In chapter 2 and verse 18, the Bible says the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why did the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But thy disciples fast not. So here they come to him, and they come to him accusing him, finding fault with him. Now let, let's, let's make sure we understand the picture. Here is the one who is in their synagogue, and he is teaching the word of God like they've never heard it taught in their lives. He is teaching as one with authority. And the reason he taught as one who had authority is because he did possess authority. He's the author of the scriptures. He could open it to them like no other. Not only could he do that, but he could command the demons and they would flee from him. And they would readily confess who he was. Not only did he do that, but those who were sick and those who were lame, uh, those who had uh, disease in their bodies, he could heal them. And while he was there ministering among them, revealing to them who it is that he was, here's what takes place. All they want to do is find fault with him. I find that the spirit of the Pharisees is a spirit that is alive and well today. I mean, you, you, you can have a church meeting and, and, and the spirit of God at work, and there's always going to be somebody there who has some criticism to offer. Someone is going to be ready to find fault. Do you know that Satan is the great accuser? He is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10 refers to him as the accuser of our brethren. Satan is always making an accusation. And here they are, and they're saying of the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who established it. They're saying of him that he has violated the Sabbath. Now, we need to understand that the Sabbath was given to men. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible tells us that on the seventh day, God rested. Now, God did not need rest. I want you to understand that. He, he didn't sit in his recliner that day. The word rest here literally means to cease from activity. And what we find is that God established the Sabbath as a day of rest, a day to cease from labor, a day not only to cease from labor, but a day to reflect, a day to worship, a day to meditate, a day to commune with God. That is what the Sabbath day is was designed for. But these Pharisees missed the point. And what they did is they took a day that God designed to be a blessing and they made a burden out of that day. And they laid that burden on the backs of the people. We understand that the Pharisees had 39 specific activities that were forbidden to do on the Sabbath day. 
Among those things that were forbidden, there were laws about wine, honey, milk, spitting, <laughs> writing, and removing dirt from clothing. Scribes could not carry their pens, tailors could not carry their needles, and students could not carry their books. People were not allowed to kill insects. They were not allowed to light a candle or a fire, and they could not extinguish one that was already lit. They were not able to buy or sell. They were not permitted to bathe. They were not permitted to travel beyond a certain distance outside of their home. Uh, one interesting note, the women were not permitted to look in the mirror for fear that they would see a gray hair and try to remove it. <laughs> no one was permitted to carry anything that was heavier than a dried fig. Uh, do you get the picture here? On the Sabbath day, you didn't know what you could do and what you couldn't. Moses only gave a few specific prohibitions. The Pharisees found 39 of them. They wrote extensively on them. You, you didn't know what you could do. If you threw a ball with your right hand, you had to catch it with your right because if you caught it with your left, it was perceived to be working. You see how ridiculous it really got? That's where they were. You see, they missed the point altogether. They, they come to the Lord and they say, you are violating the Sabbath. They accused him. And, and that's, what, that's what the world system will do. Do you know, I want you to know that the, the religion of secular humanism is alive and well. And, and, and it's... There's a morality behind it. Have you caught on to that? If you don't march in lockstep with the secular humanist agenda of our day, you will be the object of ridicule and scorn. And let me tell you, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness in that religion. They're as bad as any pharisaical group you would ever have confronted in the days of Jesus. That's where we live today. There's the accusation against the Lord of the Sabbath. I want you to see, secondly, the explanation given by the Lord of the Sabbath. I love what he said. They said, hey, wait a minute, you and your disciples, you're eating this corn, you are violating the commandment of the Sabbath. They're talking to the one who established it and ordained it. Would you look in verse 25? They've confronted Jesus and accused him of being a sinner. They got all these crazy notions in their heads. Look in verse 25. And he said unto them, Would you note the next four words? Have ye never read? Do you know what Jesus did to correct their wrong thinking? Do you know what he did to answer their false accusation against them? He pointed them to the truth, the ultimate source of the truth, 
he pointed them to the scriptures. And he said to the ones who proposed and professed that they knew it. And not only did they know it, they were the authorities concerning it. He said to them, have you read your Bible lately? You know, what's surprises me the most about people who attend a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. They never bother for themselves to read it. They don't put much of a premium on the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. They put more of a premium on their experience. They put more of a premium on their tradition. They put more of a premium on their emotion. But they don't seem to put a lot of priority in getting in the Bible and reading it and finding out what God says and then applying it to their life. I just have to be honest with you. I, I hear parents say some of the most ridiculous things. And I watch them make some of the most foolish, unbiblical decisions based on emotion, based on preference, but not based on truth. And the most disappointing part of it is seemingly they don't have a lot of interest in the truth. It can be that way in your marriage. It can be that way in your family. It can be that way in the way you respond to your boss. It can be that way in the way that you respond to serving in the church. People take such flippant attitudes about ministry. Have you never read? That's what he said to them. You say, well, wait a minute. He's talking to that hardcore legalistic crowd. No, he's talking to any crowd that goes outside of the Bible. And he says, have you never read? You claim to know it. You claim to live by it. But when it comes to the everyday product of your religion, you're not following it. Have you never read? And so the Lord Jesus, by his question, he reproves them, those who professed to know his word. Now notice what happens here. He said, have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him? You see, it's important to note that there were people who had needs. Do you know that we live in a city that has needs? I minister to a congregation with needs. There are needs that people have. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ is interested in meeting those needs. And He wants us to know that He is more concerned about meeting the needs of humanity than He was the ritual and, 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 and the regulation that the Pharisees had developed. He's concerned about people. In verse 26, he says, He went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. And David was fleeing here from for his life from Saul, and he was hungry, he and his men, and there was bread there. And that bread was only designated for the priest to eat, but in his hunger and in his need, God allowed for the priest to give that bread to David and to his men, and they were sustained. They were strengthened. They were nourished. Their needs were met. That's why Jesus says in verse 27, and he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was the day for the Pharisees. The, the Sabbath was the day where they were able to demonstrate to all the people who they were, that they were the religious authorities, that they were the kind of guys you looked up to and admired. It was their day. But they had made it all about them, and they had made it all about their system. And they had forgotten that God made it all about the people. In Matthew chapter 12, I invite you to turn there with me, please. We find here that Matthew records for us something uh, that Jesus said in this same conversation. We don't find recorded in Mark's gospel, but we do find it here in Matthew chapter 12. In verse number Five. Here we find the response. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? You see, the priests have to work on the Sabbath. That's the point. They'd miss the fact that this Sabbath was set apart for devotion to God. And, and so in their technical aspects of describing 39 ways that you, uh, you could break the Sabbath and 39 prohibitions uh, of activities that you could not do on the Sabbath. They forgot that the priests have to work on the Sabbath day. So he says unto them, verse 6, he said, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple, speaking of himself, Jesus. But if ye had known, now notice this, if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. You know what Jesus has come to do? He has come to give mercy. He has come to meet the needs of humanity. And so he corrected those disciples who are not the disciples, but rather the Pharisees who wanted everybody to conform to their system, who wanted everybody to do everything the way they wanted it done. And though it was outside of the truth of God's word, then Jesus makes a statement in verse 28. Notice it. Therefore the Son of Man is the Lord also the Sabbath. Of all the things he could have said to infuriate this group, that was it. Do you know what that statement says? I'm God. 
I established the Sabbath. And by the way, he did. You know Jesus spoke this world into existence? Do you know that Jesus is the creator of this universe? Do you know it was Jesus who on the seventh day rested? Do you know it was Jesus who gave the commandment of the law on the Sabbath day to Moses in the Old Testament? I want you to understand it was Jesus. And Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He said, hey, fellas, this day, this day that you hold in, 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 in some uh, special, unique way as a part of your religious system, you don't even understand that I'm the God who established that day. And so we see his explanation. Then I want you to see, lastly, the demonstration of the Lord of the Sabbath. And we find it in chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6. You see, we find that when Jesus Christ makes a statement about who he is, when he reveals part of his nature to us, he demonstrates through his actions that there is authority behind his words. And here we have a demonstration of the Lord Jesus on the Sabbath day that I think is pretty instructive for us and I hope you'll, you'll, you'll stay with me here in chapter 3. And he again, he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. Luke tells us that while he was there in the synagogue, he was teaching. And we understand, as was his pattern, he was preaching the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And while he's ministering, the Bible said there was a man there which had a, a withered hand. And they, that is the Pharisees, they watched him. You see, we find here in the synagogue that day, there was a man with a withered hand. And then we find that there were men with hardened hearts. And then we find that there was a Savior, the Messiah. And he was there with a healing hand. Now we see about this man with a withered hand the word withered means dried out. It means withdrawn. And here's this man. He had two hands, but one of them, one of them doesn't work. It's withered. It's drawn in. His fingers perhaps are drawn in together to his palm. He cannot extend them. Not only can he not extend his fingers but he cannot reach forth with his arm. He has one good hand, one good arm, and the other is withered. We understand that this man couldn't do certain tasks. For example, he couldn't embrace his loved ones. Maybe one hand, he could pat them or touch them or half hug them. But he couldn't lock into an embrace. He couldn't grasp certain objects, couldn't get a hold of it. He might try to put it in his hand, but it, it wouldn't, wouldn't remain there. He couldn't play ball on the team. He couldn't hold down a job on the factory line. He had a withered hand. There was imbalance in his life. On one hand, seemed, on one hand things were working, on the other hand, things weren't working and functioning as they were designed to function. 
I want to ask you this morning, are there some areas in your life that are withered? Maybe there's some relationships. Maybe there's some roles and, and some responsibilities in your life. While some things are working okay, there's some other areas that you're really struggling in. I, I see myself, and I wonder if you see yourself in the man with the withered hand. And Jesus does something pretty interesting, doesn't he? He tells the man in verse number three, stand forth. Now all the Pharisees were watching. They, they heard Jesus teaching and, and they saw Jesus' eyes make contact with the eyes of the withered man. And they, as soon as they saw him, they thought, they're going, he's going to try to heal that guy. You see, because when Jesus looks upon the needs of humanity, he has compassion. Remember what he said in Matthew chapter 12? We read it. God will have mercy and not sacrifice. Here's a man who needed the mercy of God. Here's a man who needed the touch of God. Now, so they, they note, they note as they see his eyes come across this man and they're watching to see if he will heal on the Sabbath day because they are accusers. And so Jesus says to the man, he says, stand forth. Come up here, would you? Come up here to the front. Stand forth. And notice in verse number five, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, that's the Pharisee crowd, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. You haven't stretched your hand forth in a long time. Maybe never. I mean, that was the whole problem, was it not? He couldn't stretch forth his hand. He could not perform the task. And Jesus commanded him to do it. How many things has he commanded you and I to do that we just can't do? And so many of us have given up and said, I can't do it. And you know what? You're right. You can't. Just like he couldn't. But when Jesus said it, he also gave power to do it. And do you know what happened to that man with the withered hand? He stretched forth his hand and he was healed and he was whole. Notice what the Bible says, and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. That withered hand is a football player that plays, played football for the University of Tennessee. His name is Inky Johnson. He's now a motivational speaker. Inky Johnson suffered an injury playing in a game against the Air Force, and he did some, some serious nerve damage, so severe he was never able to play. He has no feeling, uh, if I have that correct, is no feeling and no use of his right arm. And when you see him speak, he has his right arm. It just dangles there. Just, just dangles. 
Sometimes he'll hold it or bring it in with a sling. It's, it's much smaller than his left arm. There, there's no life in that arm. And at the word of Jesus, this man whose hand was small, his arm small and withdrawn and of no use to him, at the word of Jesus, he reached forth his hand and it was as whole as the other. The muscles were as developed. Everything was working as it should. And I imagine the first thing he did is he hugged some people he longed to hug. And maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're like that man with a withered hand. Some areas of your life you're okay, but other areas you're really struggling in. And you don't have the power and you don't have the strength and you can't figure this thing out. And you're about to give up and Jesus says to you, stand forth and stretch forth your hand. You see, all you have to do is come to Jesus. In Matthew chapter number 11, Jesus said to that crowd of people that were weighed down by the Pharisees, he said to them in Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, the Sabbath day was designed to give rest. But I want you to understand that no longer do we find rest in a day. We find rest in a person, and his name is Jesus. And by the way, don't think that that statement says you can do anything you want to on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Because that is not the right conclusion to what I'm trying to help you understand. Our rest is in Jesus. We can rest from all our self-effort. We can rest uh, from, from all of the guilt that Satan and the world and other people try to lay upon us. We can rest from that. When we come to Jesus, he removes it. All the sin and all the burden, he cleanses us of it and he washes us and he makes us whole. And when we come to him, we find that rest in him. Notice verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to know that that rest is not found just simply one time, once and for all. But that rest must be maintained as you and I learn to come together and submit to the yoke of Jesus and to learn alongside of him and get underneath his burden and allow him to carry that burden and remove all the extra burdens from our lives. Our rest is in Jesus. And here's this man who has no help from the Pharisees. And Jesus wants to help him on the Sabbath day. And so we see the man with the withered hand. And then we see the men with the hardened hearts. You know, theirs was the most dangerous condition of all, wasn't it? The hardened hearts. The man with the withered hand leaves that day healed. The men with the hardened hearts leave that day and they go out and plot the murder of Jesus. Their condition was the most dangerous of all. You see, they were sitting there and all they wanted to do was find fault with Jesus. 
some people, many people, hear God's word and they look for the loopholes in it. Or they think about the other people that it applies to. The word hard here means callous. It means insensitive. I preach to a congregation week in and week out. You know the big danger for all of us? We think we know it all. We think we've heard it all. And we don't think it applies to us. This group of hardened hearts was the group that needed it more than any other group in Israel. They were cold. They were insensitive. They were chiefly concerned for themselves. They had no compassion. Notice what Jesus said to them. Mark chapter 3. Verse 4. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? or to do evil, to save life or to kill. There was no compassion. There was no concern for anybody but for their own selves. They didn't know what the thing was about. And when they were confronted with the truth, they didn't care enough about it to do anything. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he wants to work in your life and mine. And may we learn lessons from the man with the withered hand and the men with the hardened hearts. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.